There's a very wise man who once said that he could never get the hang of Thursdays, but with practice, it is possible. This is the 32nd time that the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newsletter and Newscast has gone out on a Thursday. It's April 29th, 2021, which means there's only one more day left to use your April linens. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. In this installment, Charlottesville's Public Housing Board gets an update on safety, demand for housing choice vouchers, and a status report on the Crescent Hall's renovation. Albemarle cuts the ribbon on its new community engagement van, no relation to this newsletter. An informal partnership came together this month to rebuild a boat launch in Riverview Park and a very brief look at the Alberine Soapstone Quarry. In today's Patreon Field shout-out, your local energy nonprofit, LEAP, offers free home weatherization to income and age-qualifying residents. If you're age 60 or older, or have an annual household income of less than $75,100, you may qualify for a free energy assessment and home energy improvements, such as insulation and air sealing. Sign up today to lower your energy bills, increase comfort, and reduce energy waste at home. The pandemic is not over, but there are many signs that public life is beginning to return. On Wednesday, members of the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors and senior staff gathered at Dardentau Park to cut the ribbon on a new van that will be used to support community engagement efforts. Jeff Richardson is the county executive. It is really good to be with everyone today, and I think it's very fitting that today that we are here at Dardentau Park, which I would like everyone to know this park was our busiest park over the last 14 months as we've worked through this crisis. In all, the county park system had a million visitors in the last year as people sought open space. This event was the first in-person celebration of a county service since January 31st, 2020. And on on January 31st of 2020, we had skate night at Yancey School Community Center which was the kickoff for the community programming at that new community center. Supervisor Ned Galloway said the idea for the van came about last summer as community engagement staff visited parts of Albemarle. They were popping up in the county at country stores and neighborhoods um, and parks with regularity to distribute cloth face coverings as needed. Um, That was for free for the community. Um, And a lot of time went into packing and moving and unpacking materials, um, and staff spent the events mostly out in the elements for several hours. Um, This van provides kind of a central location to store things and move materials. The money for the van came from the county's share of federal pandemic relief funds. But the event was not just to show off the new community engagement van. The event was held to showcase the series of little libraries in the county park system by stocking them with a pamphlet on Monacan history, written by the late Karen Wood and Diane Shields. Shields and her daughter spoke at the event. Let's hear a long segment from Teresa Pollock, Diane Shields' daughter. Nahan Pipi, Teresa Pollock, Mikhail Kailoa, Mima, Monica Nason, Yesa. Greetings, I am Teresa Pollock, an enrolled citizen of the Monica Nation, and this is my mother, Diane Shields, an elder of the Monica Nation and co-author of the Monica History booklet. The land we are on is but a small portion of land inhabited by people who called themselves Yesa. 
which means the people. The Eastern Siwan speaking people inhabited the land in the interior portion of what today we call Virginia from the New River to the Fall Line at Richmond for hundreds of generations before the arrival of Europeans. Through years of warfare, disease, forced migration, and broken treaties, the original people were reduced to a fraction of their original numbers, leaving, <clears throat> living on a small portion of their original land. They were forced into assimilation by the dominant culture. The descendants of the original inhabitants are still here today. I am one of those descendants. We are known as Monacan, and we understand the land is the people, and the people is the land and we are not strangers on any of that land that was once considered our territory. As we are able to have air to breathe, water to drink, remember the original people, my ancestors, have been stewards of the land for centuries and today have made it possible for us to enjoy many of our natural resources we still have. Diane Shields spoke as well. And I'd like to say for so many generations, the Monacan people were overlooked or misdiagnosed or miscalculated or miss, miss a lot of things. Our people have been classified as different races than what they were. A lot of that has been corrected. Um, I'm sure all of you are familiar with the racial integrity law. That was a very difficult time for our people as well as all the other, other Indian communities because of the way we were classified. But those times are pretty much behind us. Now we've worked with the state to be able to correct birth certificates. To learn more, go visit a county park and pick up the pamphlet. And let us know if you see the community engagement van in the wild. The Rivanna River meanders down from Dardentau Park to Riverview Park, which is on the western shore in the city of Charlottesville. Just in time for the Rivanna River Fest, work has wrapped up on an initiative to replace a boat launch and stairway at the park, which washed away this past winter. According to a city press release, Woolen Mills resident Bill Emery approached the city this March with a plan to put in a new stairway using donated materials and labor. The Rivanna River Company, the Rivanna Conservation Alliance, and the Piedmont Environmental Council helped coordinate construction, which took place over a three-day period earlier this month. The result is a new and improved river access point stairway engineered to withstand exposure to strong currents and future flooding events. The Rivanna Riverfest runs from May 1st to May 9th. We're living in these days, but others have lived here before, spending days in built environments that are no longer with us and places of work that have long gone out of business. In southern Albemarle and northern Nelson County, the Alberine Soapstone Company, for many years, operated out of a quarry in Schuyler, fueling the economic fortunes of the village of Esmont. Peggy Denby, of the group Friends of Esmont, is hoping to encourage the Albemarle Historic Preservation Committee and the county to take note of the remnants of the former quarry. I just wanted somebody to know, other than, than me, that these things do exist. And I think a story could be written to talk about every one of the, of the pieces of, of building that I discovered and the process that, when it, that happened when the quarry was operational. This includes a canal, a system of trains, and so many other functions that are now gone. The land is in private ownership now. Denby wants the county to consider buying the land. Supervisor Ann Malik said she purchased material directly from the quarry back in the 1980s. It is an incredible place, but it will take uh, 
certainly a special owner to, to facilitate telling the story. Malik pointed out that most of the parkland the county receives comes about through donations. That was the case for the Byram Reserve Park, Pretty Creek Park, and the new Brook Hill River Park. This story will likely continue to be told. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. This show has now been produced for nine and a half months for people to listen to or read for free. I'm grateful for those who have been able to spend a little money to keep me self-employed doing this work seven days a week. If you can spare the funds and want to support this show right now, if you pay for a subscription through Substack, Ting, the company Ting, will match the amount. So if you're paying $5 a month, $50 a year, or the very generous $200 a year founder subscription, Ting will match the amount in the name of supporting local journalism. This local journalism is how I want to spend my time, and every dollar spent is going to build up what is becoming a community resource. Read why Ting is making this effort in a link in the newsletter, and keep it in mind. At the very least, please send it on to somebody else so that we can continue to grow the audience together. For the rest of the show, we drop in on the April 26, 2021 meeting of the Board of Commissioners of the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. This is the first week of the year with temperatures coming close to summer-like levels. That's raising the concern of some Charlottesville residents who are concerned that hotter nights may lead to some form of violence. Laura Goldblatt is one of seven commissioners on the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority, or CRHA. At Monday's CRHA board meeting, she reported from the Safety Committee, which has been reviewing what comes next when a contract with a security firm expires this May. If there's going to be security or any groups um, in public housing communities, the ways that they want them to behave, what they expect from them, um, and what they think, what safety means to them. The other thing that I've heard very clearly from residents in those meetings is a real sense of urgency. People are really concerned about um, the change in the seasons and the summer coming on, and they feel as though they need a concrete and firm plan. They need to understand what's going on, and they need that to be communicated. Work has now begun on both renovation of Crescent Halls and construction of new units at the South First Street site. CRHA Chair Betsy Rutger said the time is coming when the CRHA's development subcommittee will turn its attention to what will come next for redevelopment. We really need to get moving on what what we're going to do next, the next moves, and get it in front of residents quickly to get feedback. Rutger said many of the CRHA commissioners are relatively new to the group and it would be good for them to get a sense of what they and it would be good for them to get an update on planning efforts to date. Rutger asked for a work session or retreat to update new members on how the CRHA got to this point. It needs to be soon because we're going to need to be moving quickly with um whatever site is next due to the uh, tax credit application cycle. The next deadline to apply for low-income housing tax credits from Virginia Housing is next March. There will be an update on redevelopment at a committee meeting next Thursday that members said they would attend, but the idea of an in-person retreat eventually has been floated. 
One commissioner said she would prefer to continue meeting virtually for the foreseeable future. Virtual meetings are allowed under the ongoing state of emergency, but won't be once Virginia Governor Ralph Northam lifts the order. David Oberg is the legal counsel for the CRHA. State law does not allow that at this point now. It's very possible that that's going to be changed. But at this moment, if the governor removes his emergency order, all local entities will be required to meet in person again. Rutger said she felt the in-person meetings had a dynamic to them created by the physical space in city council chambers. But to have us all sitting up high and then residents that come sitting in the seats looking up. There were other updates at the April 26th meeting as well. The wait list for federal housing vouchers opened for a week-long period in late March. John Sales is the CRHA executive director. So we now have a total of 1,311 individuals on the wait list for the HCP program. We've sent out 50 eligibility letters. Um, About a fifth of those are living in public housing now. Work at Crescent Halls is now underway, according to CRHA Deputy Director Kathleen Glenn Matthews. There's a construction fence up, gravel drive in the back. They're getting prepped on the eighth floor. Work on the first floor is starting May 17th, and um, the substantial completion date right now is set for um, November 25th, 2022. Residents involved in planning for the second phase of the South First Street redevelopment have begun to meet once more. There was a meeting last night, in fact. The CRHA was awarded low-income housing tax credits for that project in the 2020 cycle. More from Public Housing next month. And that's it for today's show. Mixing up the end of the show here today to let you know about an upcoming podcast that's coming up that celebrates a place none of us have been able to go to for a year, Italy. Tour guide Tulia Maffei hasn't been able to lead any of her usual adventures, but during the pandemic, she teamed up with award-winning journalist and producer Alison Salerno to bring a little bit of that country's people to your kitchen table or wherever you listen to your podcast. Let's close the show out today listening to a quick promo of Italy from the Heart. Italy from the Heart, a show about Italians you'll want to meet on your travels. I'm your host, Tullia Maffei. Italy from the Heart is about the people we bring into your home for a chat and an espresso or an Aperol spritz. Here you'll meet Italians from all over Italy and get to know their passions and the place they're attached to. Venice is unique, of course, and of course I make my living here because I was born here and I studied it so much. I studied it basically all my life. I think I will never stop studying Venice because there's too much to know, you know, Italy has so much art. And so I started uh, my, my path for becoming priest. I came back in Bari and uh, I studied uh, theology and uh, here nearby. Pello 
is a typical uh, town top of the hill with uh, the walls around uh, because it's been, uh, you know, Roman, the Roman town made with the Pietra Sisi, which is a pink stone. You'll learn about people you can actually connect with on your travels. So pull up a chair, break out the biscotti, and let me introduce you. It's a pleasure to be here at Italy from the heart. Thanks for listening. 